When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. to your latest edition of the Woke Bros here on the Bomb Network. Of course, I'm Big Waz, a.k.a. Wozney Lambray, joined as always by my comrade and co-host, the wonderful, the patriotic, <laughs> Nando <laughs> Vila, ladies and gentlemen. It's as always, we got... Oh, yes, the veteran salute, man. Shouts to my brother, man, Keens LeConte. Served six years in the Navy, man. Um, so shouts your to brother? him. My brother, my brother served. Yes, my brother served in the Navy. Um, funny antidote, um, my brother, I think he left when he was 19, which would have meant that I was eight. Um, the day that he left to go to Virginia, I guess it was, wherever his training was, Atlas. I remember crying. <laughs> I remember crying like, oh, no, my brother's leaving me. Um, and so, yeah, I always remember that. Did he see <laughs> so, action? Nah, nah. He was like in, he was in like Kuwait. He was in like, he was in the Middle East generally and in yeah. Asia, but he didn't see no action. You know the Navy don't do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but shouts to my brother, man. Um, of course, we got Rob Lopez, as always, the Puerto Rican wonder on the ones and threes, keeping the trains running on time. On today's show, we're going to try to give you guys a little preview, not really a preview, but get you guys prepped for the Biden transition and by how we're going to do that is explain to you what the signals would be, what you need to know when he picks his cabinet, right? When he fills mm-hmm. out his cabinet, when you start hearing ca- candidates for state and sets uh, and, um, and treasury and HUD, once you start hearing who those candidates are, you'll get a better sense of the direction that this particular administration is going to go. And we're going to just, you know, sort of kick the tires on that. Um, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be the aftermath of a national election if there weren't Democratic Party infighting already. It took all of two days, probably, I think less than that, for yeah. the fireworks to start. Um, we're gonna get into the different factions on that end. I think you guys probably already know what side we're on, but we're still gonna get into it. Uh but first, man, it's going to come down to Georgia. Uh of course, obviously Joe Biden would have won the the election without the state of Georgia. But winning the state of Georgia was a big coup for him. Um, A lot of people, a lot of places are trying to take all the credit for it. That's neither here nor there. But (laughs) he wins the state of Georgia. And because there's a a special election going on, um, or two of them anyway. Two of them, uh, yeah. Two of them. And nobody emerged in that state with 50% of the vote. 
there's going to be a runoff in January for two Senate seats. Uh, those two Senate seats will make it, if the Dems are able to take both of them, will make it 50-50 in the House with Kamala Harris being the deciding vote. I mean, excuse me, in the Senate with Kamala Harris being the deciding vote as she yeah, is our vice president-elect. Um, now, uh, the two races are between one, Raphael Warnock, and <laughs> he's going up against the blonde bombshell <laughs> Kelly Loeffler, <laughs> who, as we know, she was an appointee. Uh, she didn't win this seat. She was just appointed it because a Republican left. She's famous for being an, the most ultra-right-wing sports owner for the most left-leaning sports league, which is the WNBA. She's the owner of the Atlanta Dream. Uh, she's also quite famous because back in February, it was discovered that... Or no, it was in March we discovered it, but I think it happened in February... The United States Congress, the president, everybody, all of our government officials in the federal government were briefed on the severity of COVID-19 and basically told, this shit's coming to America. It's going to be horrible and have drastic effects on the economy. Kelly Loeffler came out, told her constituents there was nothing to worry about. And then in the same breath, she sold a bunch of stocks and a bunch of her stock holdings and a bunch of companies so that she could cash out before these stocks went um, into the toilet, uh, literally, like literally told her constituents one thing and then behaved yeah. in the opposite direction to, in order to enrich herself. That's who the Dems are facing in one of those races. And then, of course, we have John Alsoff, um, one of these, you know, basically... He's just one of your regular libs, one of your regular <laughs> corporate libs, which is fine. Whatever DNC type of people, DNCC type of people who they love, whatever. I'm not here to do that today. We do enough of that. And he's going against this Purdue dude who, as far as we know, is just another run of the mill Republican. But as I mentioned at the top of the show, Nando, this race is important for several reasons, one of which is because it's going to decide who has control of the Senate. Yeah, I mean, and, and that really is is everything right there. I mean, it's hard, it's hard to overstate just how disastrous a Biden presidency will be with the Republican-controlled Senate. Uh, you know, when 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 Mitch McConnell controlled the Senate with Barack Obama as president, he basically bullied him into doing all kinds of awful things, mostly cutting social spending. With do you guys remember like the whole debt ceiling thing? Oh my God. Uh, yeah. Well, the next step ceiling is July of 2021, you know. So if there's a Republican-controlled Senate, they can use the debt ceiling to basically uh, bully Dems to do whatever they want, something that Dems would never do in the opposite direction, by the way. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so and, – and, and, and but it's, it's – and it's – it's shaping up to be even more obstructionist than even uh, McConnell was with Barack Obama because he learned that he could do he could get away with anything that there is no penalty for that kind of thing. So it could even go as far as like denying Joe Biden cabinet appointments, you know, because the cabinet appointments, you know, Secretary of the Treasury, Secretary of State, Secretary of Defense, all these people, they have to be approved by the Senate. Um, and McConnell's already saying like if I don't like a guy, I'm not. I'm not confirming him. And so any aspect of the Joe Biden agenda that has to go through Congress will 100 percent be blocked. Like there's just complete and total obstruction. So so it is absolutely crucial for a Biden presidency to even have a prayer for the Dems to take the Senate. 
Um, there's still a lot of work. Even if they do take the Senate, they then have to go and abolish the filibuster, which is not easy, but needs to be done as well, because McConnell has proven uh, with Obama that he could block anything um, using the filibuster and requiring there to be a 60-vote majority on anything. Um, so, uh, so yeah, it's absolutely uh, do or die in Georgia. January 5th, there's two Senate races. And what's interesting about Georgia is that much like the rest of the country, um, the partisan split between Republicans and Democrats is like dramatically concentrated uh, in 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 the urban rural divide, meaning that uh, uh, the, this, the the precincts around Atlanta, which is the biggest city in Georgia, like overwhelmingly voted Democrat. And they lost basically every single other precinct to Republicans <laughs> and won the state. When the last time Georgia uh, elected a Democrat for president was in 1992 with Bill Clinton. And if you look at the vote split on that one in the counties, Bill Clinton won basically every single county in Georgia. In 2020, Joe Biden basically lost every county in Georgia and still won Georgia. Like, it's just dramatic, like, how how much um, the country has sorted itself into Republicans in the rural areas, small towns, lightly populated uh, precincts, and Democrats are just overwhelmingly concentrated around the large metro areas, even in deep red states. Like if you look at like vote totals in Houston or, uh, you know, St. Louis, uh, like it's just like in red states, uh, this, this, the Democrats still win the cities. Um, and lose the rural areas. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Um, the Republicans have a sort of built-in advantage usually in these special elections, like kind of in off years. Like they they just they're just more reliable voters in in off years. But one would think that given the stakes and given that like literally everything, you know, like every single dollar that hasn't been spent on the campaigns, every single political it's operative, like they're, they're going to flood Georgia. And it's just going to be Georgia, Georgia, Georgia till January 5th. And, you know, it's not really going to be about the candidates themselves. It's going to be a basically a re retread of the national election. So um, can the parties kind of bring out their basis for that? And I think that that's this Georgia thing is, and we can get into it, is I think the main reason why a lot of Republican yeah. senators are going along with Trump's like ridiculous thing about you know the the elections and, were and, fraud. And I, and I want and you to go go more into that because yeah. I know I noticed online there's a lot of people who wanted Joe Biden to win and are happy about it, but are very apprehensive about celebrating because they think it could be stolen from the clutches of of Joe Biden and I want people to understand that that's not going to happen. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um because of the margins, because it had because it's like four or five states that this guy lost, right? Like he would have to go out and reverse Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania. Like it would have to be multiple state coordinated effort yeah. in order to make it happen. It's not going to happen. And what Nando was alluding to, the bluster that you're hearing, is because, and the reason why Republicans are like, oh, no, 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 fuck that, let's just do it, because they want to energize their base in the state of Georgia yeah. to understand that the Dems might be out there doing something. Yeah. So please, everybody, get out and vote during this special election, because 
We've been winning this state for 20-something years now. We know we got the people there. Um, let's yeah. make it happen. Yeah, I mean, I I suspect that Mitch McConnell is perfectly fine with Trump out of the of White House course. and Joe Biden in there if, as long as he controls the Senate. Yeah. And I think that that's also true for, like, you know, the corporate titans that own the, the Republican Party are broadly fine with a Joe Biden presidency and a Republican control of the Senate. Because even if Joe Biden squeaks something out, it's going to be an extremely Republican-leaning yes. yes. freaking bill, yes. piece of legislation. Like, anything that he can actually eke out is going to be approved by Mitch McConnell, which means it's going to be pro-big business yeah. no matter what. Yeah, yeah. The worst word in American politics, the worst word is bipartisanship. Bipartisan. Every yeah, single bill that has bipartisan appeal means it's the fucking worst bill you've ever seen in your life. You know, if Republicans <laughs> and Democrats are agreeing on a bill, it means it's like just a giant giveaway to like the worst people in the world or just like some war you know, some awful like war powers uh, resolution. Exactly. Or, like an increase exactly. in the military budget. It's like, oh, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, let's go kill people. Yeah, exactly. Type of shit. That's, yeah. you know, let's go kill people in the name of American yeah. empire. They, That's one thing that they, they both agree on. And when people say Republicans and Democrats are the same, when it comes to war and wielding the American killing machine apparatus, yeah, they're, they're both on board mostly for that. Yeah. And again, just to keep people, just so people know, like, Mitch McConnell, man, as evil and as cynical and as sinister as he is, he is the most savvy political operative in our system today. Yeah. There is nobody no. smarter at the, the game. Best. The GOAT. He, he is the best. Yeah. Yes. He's the Jordan yes, <laughs> of the Senate. He's the Jordan yeah. of the game. He he just is. Like, and nobody has gotten more gains for his constituents. Both like he's good at like you know, getting the pork done to get sh getting the pork oh, yeah. added to shit to get shit straight to Kentucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's great at that to get money straight to Kentucky. He's great at that, and he's great at serving his masters, which are the corporate interests in America. He like when people. I'm sorry, man, and I hate to be this person for the wake up call for y'all. And I know I'm a man, and I don't have a vagina and can't get pregnant. But like when people are like, "Oh, this Amy Graff chick is gonna take abortion uh, away," they don't give a fuck about that shit, man. Yeah. They don't care about that for real. The stuff that they care about, you know, it's corporate power. It's it's freaking making sure a coronavirus bill, stimulus plan, also has something that, you know, takes away liability for corporate interests when it comes to making people work during the pandemic, getting people sick, people then dying or having permanent damage, yada, yada, yada. Take away liability. Oh, yeah, we'll support that. Yeah. Always. And like everything they do is in support of protecting the interests of the ruling class like yeah. that. And Mitch, Mitch McConnell has been a master. At yeah. it. There's just no two ways about it. Yeah. And again, so even, and even if he is in the minority, like he's a wily, he's a wily one. And <laughs> unless the out. Democrats <laughs> figure out a way to get rid of the filibuster, which they, you know, is going to be a challenge to convince all of the, Dem like the 50 Democrats in, in the Senate to abolish the filibuster. Like, you know, Joe Manchin has already come out and said he won't do it, you know? So it's still a challenge um, to do that because if without it, they're not going to be able to pass anything. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's really one to look out for. I mean, it's, the stakes couldn't be higher. Um, you know, it, it could be and, the difference and, between and, and, a failed Joe Biden presidency and like an okay Joe Biden presidency. <laughs> and that's what I wanted to get at, because I think this is something that you've 
you've been out front of from the beginning where you're like, look, if Joe Biden gets in there and doesn't do anything, it's going to be a disaster for the Democratic Party, right? It's going to be like, y'all don't do anything except suck the dicks of niggers and gays. Like, that's, 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 they don't, people don't understand that that's the self-image. Well, it's not the self-image. I I don't think they would self-image themselves that way, but that's the image of the Democratic Party to people who hate them. It's like, they do nothing except pay lip service and worship at the altar of minority groups and trans people and gays. And and that's all the Dems care. That's what people think superficially too. Exactly. That it's all an act, by the way, that that's what people think about them, that they don't actually get anything done except for Neil and Kinte cloth. So if Biden (laughs) has a presidency where he actually proves that to be true by getting nothing done except for paying lip service to unity and togetherness and, you know, and using buzz buzzwords like, uh, systemic racism, which is we need to throw that fucking phrase in the fucking trash. Okay, um, it's going to be a disaster yeah. for the Dems. It's going to be bad for yeah. them. Yeah, I mean, this is the nightmare scenario, right? We're in an economic crisis, one of the worst we've ever had. Um, the stimulus uh, from the CARES Act has run out. Um, there's no incentive for uh, the Republicans to pass something right now because um, it's going to harm the Joe Biden presidency. There's there's a desperate need for it. There's a desperate need for all kinds of things, rent moratoriums, uh, you know, a stimulus package, money in people's pockets, food assistance, all that shit while the economy is slowed down because of the coronavirus pandemic. And the Republicans, like, will not will not pass anything if they, that, that, that Joe Biden wants to do. So... If that is the case, then there's going to be a massive right-wing backlash. The Dems will get clobbered in 2022 and then probably lose the presidency in 2024. I mean, that's really what it is. Like, it's crazy to think that like this January 5th election could mean uh, a Republican president Everything. in 2024 or a Democratic president in 2024, but it kind of is. You know, unless Joe Biden did something completely out of character, which is like, you know, basically bypass uh, the legislature and do all kinds of good things. Like, I mean, he could, for example, like I was reading in the American Prospect, they have a very good feature about what things that Joe Biden could do without Congress. And it's pretty remarkable. Like he could, for example, cancel 90 percent of student debt by himself. Wow. You know, like think about that, wow. what he would do. I mean, that, that's just <sighs> like, um, yeah. Get him all kinds of support, yeah. bro. Oh my goodness. Um, and uh, so you know things like that. He could turn the he could do postal banking, turn the U.S. post office into a bank into a bank for uh, poor people, essentially like a public bank um, that would basically uh, destroy the influence, the pernicious influence of like payday loan uh, payday lenders um, and things like that. So uh, yeah, if Joe Biden doesn't do anything to address the deep economic crisis in which we're in, there will be a right-wing backlash that will be ferocious. It is, right-wing backlashes happen always to, uh, in response to economic crises. This is like, not to like sound hysterical, but this is how like the Nazis took power. Like, you know, like everyone has seen the fucking cartoons of like people uh, in, in Weimar, Germany, carrying a wheelbarrow full of cash to buy a loaf of bread. You know, uh, that's just it's just it's a tale as old as time. So uh, if uh, and and so that's why that's why the stakes are so, so absolutely high uh, for this election, because it'll mean the difference between a failed Joe Biden presidency or a maybe OK Joe Biden presidency. 
And so, you know, and again, and to reiterate, guys, it's because, you know, centrists couldn't get it done in places like Montana and Maine. And so this is where we are. OK, um, and, and that brings us to today's second topic, which is, you know, <laughs> the New York Times. And I forget the brother that conducted the interview with AOC. First, there was excuse me before we get to that. Yeah. First, there was a call. Yeah. In which, you know, a, a, a DNC call in which. Uh, people were basically complaining about losing seats in the House and not taking over the Senate. They're saying they couldn't win because the Republicans were labeling them as socialists and commie scum and blah, blah, blah. And we got to get our act together and stop defunding the police and stop talking about black people in public and blah, 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 blah. And we're, they're ruining for all everything. And the Green New Deal. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, they're, ruining, they're ruining our chances to win. AOC gets in the New York Times and gives a very extended interview where she was like, yo, I looked at some of this and I'm like, these people who lost, they lost not having even done everything they could do for themselves, right? Like, they're just doing TV stuff. They're doing TV ads and keeping it pushing. They don't have a door-to-door campaign. They're not on the internet. They're not meeting people where they live, these campaigns that lost, but yet... While not doing everything to help themselves, can out the other side of their mouth talk about the progressives and the left wing of the party or ruin their self-image. And what AOC said kind of resonated with me, Nando, because it's true. She was like, they call Barack Obama a communist, a Muslim, a socialist, the devil reincarnated. He won both times. He kicked ass both times. Why is that? He ran a modern campaign, won where he did, he was on the internet, he was on the streets, knocking on doors, he was doing all of that mm-hmm. stuff, um, his campaign. Um, they had a crazy ground game, crazy. And he also had a message for them. Yeah. He also was trying to sell them on things that he would do for them when he got elected. And so what AOC, the point that she made, Nando, was like, bruh, like... Of course, the Republicans are going to talk shit about you no matter what. Yeah, of course. You this have guy's to fucking make it blue. So that, Wake up. Yeah. yeah. What else are they going to do? Yeah. You have to make it so that that message doesn't resonate. Yeah. And when you don't do that, that's your own failure. Yeah. Not the failure of people like Alessandro, um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Ilhan Omar and all the other, other Cory Bushes and whoever. Like, that's, you can't blame that on them. Yeah. No, and it's and there's actually pretty good evidence to suggest that the progressives actually helped <laughs> deliver the White House to Joe Biden. You know, Rashida Tlaib in Detroit, Michigan. Um, you know, she has a she's a very um, she's a very good congresswoman, Rashida Tlaib. I mean, she's just like fiery as hell. She's very focused on organizing her constituents and being active in her community and things like that. And she basically delivered. Michigan to Joe Biden because of increased turnout in Detroit um, in a degree to a degree that they didn't expect. And it was because of just how well organized she is, how active she is, like how she was able to activate voters because she's she's something more than an empty suit, which is like half of these fucking Democrats are like the the woman that like came out and really started the the firing squad was a woman named Abigail Abigail Spanberger who you've never heard of and no one has ever heard of she's a congresswoman from Virginia who won in 2018 the same time that AOC won uh, which seems like it's crazy that AOC won in 2018 right it seems like she's been around forever but it's only been 2 years um 
and you've never heard of her because she's just a she's just an empty vessel for like DNC bullshit. You know, like she's first of all, she's like a former like literal CIA agent. So um, and uh, so she's the one that was like, yeah, you know, Medicare for all, uh, Green New Deal, uh, defund the police. Like all this shit is like toxic with voters. Uh, it costs us the election. It costs us the Senate, blah, 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 blah. You know, um, it almost cost me my reelection, blah, 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 blah. Even though, like, no one has heard of you. Like, no one in your life has heard of you. Like, your mom hasn't <laughs> even heard of you. You know, so so it's just like you you have to be something more than just an empty vessel for the DNC to actually mo motivate voters, to move them, to, to make them feel something. I mean, it's just crazy that, you know, you can blame things on the left when, for example, in Florida, a $15 minimum wage increase, one of the planks of the left for the last 10 years, which liberals fucking dismissed and laughed about and said it was ridiculous. I remember when the Fight for 15 movement started and like liberals in New York and elsewhere like were just so snooty about it. Now it's become basically common sense. And it won in Florida by 22 points. A super majority of Floridians voted Joe to Biden increase. Joe Biden lost by six. Joe Biden lost by six. <laughs> and fucking Donna Shalala and Debbie Mukherjee Powell in Miami-Dade lost their re-election campaigns where, in a county that Joe Biden won. Joe Biden won Miami-Dade <laughs> County and they fucking lost. So shut the fuck up. You know, like, um, it makes me so angry. <laughs> you know? And AOC pointed out, like, they did, they actually looked, they checked the, the numbers. Like, you can check this pretty easily. Like, there's something like 100 co-sponsors of Medicare for All in the House. Mm -hmm. And she looked at mm -hmm. every single co-sponsor of Medicare for All in a swing district who was up for re-election. Every single one of them won. Every single one yeah. of them won. So what are you talking about? And again, Medicare for all polls well amongst all Americans. Yeah. Even red Republic. and blue. Yeah. America loves the idea of just getting people real freaking health care the way old people have Medicare, like straight up and down, like everybody understands. And old people love Medicare. It's one of the most popular programs that we have, yeah. which is socialism, but whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, whatever. We need to we need to get rid of the ideas or whatever. And again, it, it it's funny because. The Dems don't want the, the 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 leadership does not actually want to be affiliated with those programs. They don't want to like because of their the people who influence them. They don't want to be the party that wants to give you real health insurance. Yeah, they just don't. Yeah. They'd rather be the party that's cozy with health insurance um industry lobbyists. They just they just rather be that party. Yeah. They'd rather be friendly to the um, health insurance industries. And this is like, you know, it's it's a joke. On election night, Fox News did an exit poll. <laughs> Fox News did an exit poll on election night. And they found that of the people who voted in the election, Fox News election uh, night exit poll, 72% of them said they supported government-run health care. This was like Jesse <laughs> Waters' fucking dumbass face with the Fox News election poll right next to him saying that 72% uh, of Americans supported government-run health care. So it's just, it's crazy because, like, they think that the, the Democrats uh, have really internalized this, like, very 1990s thing in which they can't run on anything, you know, that they, that they can only win elections by running on nothing. 
And it's What's just like, it called? Triangulating? Triangulating. The third wave. The third, the third wave. wave. Triangulating. I mean, <laughs> Bill Clinton was a master of uh, essentially passing Republican legislation and then claiming credit for it. Um, and, you know, like Bill Clinton cut welfare which doubled extreme poverty in this country, you know, talk about like woke, you know, um, you know, mm -hmm. think about how many black people uh, were thrown into extreme poverty because uh, welfare was cut and, and people everywhere, really like, and um, uh, he did the uh, massing, you know, the omnibus crime bill in 1994, he passed NAFTA, he, he uh, split, he, he ended the split between investment banking and commercial banking, which created yep. the super banks that then, um, yep. Uh, destroyed the Became economy. too big to fail. Too big to right. fail, yeah. It, it was all Republican shit. They loved all that shit. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's why it passed. And, um, and you know, that's what, and that's what Democrats why, have internalized. Honestly, and again, it's why, honestly, Mitch McConnell can be so cavalier. Like, And we've said this many, 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 many times on this, on previous shows. Is like they don't have anything else to win. Like they, they, like they just scratched away the entire regulatory apparatus of the United States. Like there is no regulation. There's no reins. You can't rein corporate interests in. Like they're free to run, rip and run, dude. Like they, they, like Mitch McConnell's. Like I yeah. mean, ugh, what more can I do? <laughs> That's yeah. why he just doesn't care. It's like, all right, I'm packing yeah. courts. I can pack courts with more corporatists. Hmm, what else can I do? I can do it. Like, like the he's at the margins, the edges of it, dude. And Bill Clinton helped start that shit. Yeah, and and so and one of the things that like drives me crazy about Democrats is that they they don't know how to under they don't know how to look at polling, especially around issues. They basically, as long as like you know, they. <laughs> They don't understand that Republicans don't give a shit about public opinion. They really don't give a shit about public opinion. They'll pass whatever the fuck they want, even if it's unpopular, and then just like hammer it, hammer it, hammer it, hammer it, hammer it until their base just kind of is like accepts it and like they're like, okay, well, you know, because it's like the partisan nature of it, they'll like right. kind of go along with it. But the Democrats could pass things that actually help people's lives, you know, like shit that actually improves people's lives and then hammer that, hammer that, hammer that, hammer that. I'm the one that passed this. I'm the one that passed this. I'm the one that passed this. You know, like I gave you this, I gave you that, I gave you that. And they would win elections over and over and over again. But what can Democrats really point to that has improved people's lives? Obamacare. That that's, that's, that's their one. That's what they're going to tell you. They're going to say it was Obamacare. Which was like a half-assed measure that <laughs> people hate. You know, helped the small sliver of the population yeah. while leaving you know, the rest of the population kind of out to dry, it, you know, it, it's not, it, it's just not good enough. Um, so yeah, it's just very, very infuriating to see them blame things like Medicare for all, which runs, which is popular, even in the face of like bipartisan opposition to it and intense propaganda against it. It's still popular. So ugh. It just drives me there crazy. There you go. And so we move on to our last topic of the day. Um, I think there's. I think you're going to hear some noise around this. Speaking of Democratic Party infighting, when some of this stuff comes out, and whenever these rumors come out, put it like this: if Politico is giving positive feedback to a Biden appointee or a rumored appointee, you know it's somebody who the Republicans also like, right? Which 
what does that mean? Again, like we know the type of people who Republicans and Democrats also like. It's just guys that worked at Goldman, worked at some big defense freaking contractor. Work like anybody who is filthy, ultra rich, and will probably have a worldview that will protect the interests of those people will work. And the reason why this is important, right? Um, and I think I think the reason why this is important um, will speak to why people like Kamala Harris and uh, uh, Cory Booker never got off the ground. I think the left could not get behind those people because of Barry. Because Barry was the wolf in sheep's clothing, right? When it came to <clears throat> the elites and the corporate class, there was just this general feeling that because he was black, that he was radical. <laughs> I know we fucked that up, and I've mentioned that over and over on the show. We got that wrong. But if but when you really go back and listen to his rhetoric, he was never this radical person. He he <laughs> never said it. He might have talked in a church, you know, a, a preacher's like sort of cadence, and he might have like he might have talked like he was Jesse Jackson sometimes, but he never ran a Jesse Jackson type of campaign from 1988. Like that, and I think that disconnect is what sank the Kamala and, and Cory Booker stuff. It was like, yeah, sure, you're black, but fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, you can't fool me again, right? Yeah. Um, and, and again, we can we can point to some of the some of Barry's appointees, and one of our favorite whipping boys on Woke Bros is Timothy Geithner, which, again, yeah. this fool in the middle of the financial crisis that Wall Street caused, point blank, period, caused was brought in to basically be the person that would fix it and make things better because he was from Wall Street. Yeah. Like, straight up. That was Barry's thinking. Like, that was... And if you read Chris Hayes' book, Twilight of the Elites, which I think is very good, he was it just talking... About, he was talking about, like, just the elite mindset of just, like, of course I'm going to get Geithner in here. Yeah, he's a Harvard it's guy. Like not even a question. Yeah. He's 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 from Goldman and them. Like he's duh, he's from Wall Street. He's gonna know everything. He's gonna know more about it than Joe Schmo does, which is yeah. complete and utter bullshit, right? Yeah. And and the reason why it matters, and, and because I know a lot of people listening to the show still love Barry, which is fine. But I would love somebody to ask Barry what it means for his presidency that the guy he appointed to Treasury to shepherd us through the financial crisis. After he left his fucking um, administration, got six hundred million dollars from J.P. Morgan Chase. Yeah, what does it like? What does that say about you, Barry? What does it say that his Secretary of Defense uh, appointee uh, in his first term was Robert Gates, a Republican who was Secretary of Defense under George W. Bush, his predecessor, <laughs> who fucking did Iraq and all the awful shit? Right. You know, what does that say? You know, like, you know, I, I fucking hate the Dems who, like, enforce this kind of loyalty among the left, you know, like, vote blue no matter who, you know, except for one cabinet appointment, then we love Republicans. You right. know, it's impossible to imagine a Republican nominating a Dem for an important cabinet position, for any cabinet <laughs> position. You know, it's like, it's just, it would never happen. It would never happen. Oh. President Marco Rubio would never appoint John Kerry to be no. Secretary of State. It just wouldn't no. happen. It's just not happened. But the Democrats love to nominate Republicans for uh, cabinet points, uh, cabinet positions. And that's one thing to look out for in the Joe Biden thing, in the Joe Biden cabinet is like how many Republicans there are. For example, Meg Whitman is being floated as Commerce Secretary. Meg Whitman's a Republican. She ran for governor of California as a Republican. 
you know um there's you know talk to maybe john Kasich. yeah yes we saw case well Kasich, of course um we also saw i saw larry summers rumors which just like wow yeah i mean larry summers was like one of the most evil people to ever live yeah Uh, yeah Um, i was like bro and again it's early that could be summers people planting stuff you know it's very early here but like if joe biden appoints larry summers to treasury wow yeah, <laughs> this was all for nothing. This whole thing, yeah. this whole Donald Trump, yeah. you know, scare tactic shit. This whole emergency, uh, biggest election of our lives. It was all for nothing because it just gives you a, a window into the mind frame of these people. Yeah, yeah. No, it's going to be one thing to look out for um, because count how many Republicans, count how many like you know business lobbyist type business interests get in there. Um, I'm very interested to see like what happens in terms of the foreign affairs people he nominates. He's going to do like woke imperialism. Like he's going to nominate Susan Rice, like a black woman to, to run, uh, <laughs> the NSA. Or, yeah, that's what he's going to do. Um, and- woke imperialism people living at home is essentially putting a person of color's face on the, on, you like know, a drone. The- uh, right exactly yeah. put put a person in color in charge of the drone program yeah, like that's exactly. that's woke imperialism yeah um so that's what they're gonna do they're gonna put like girl bosses like susan rice and <laughs> samantha power <laughs> to run the u.s empire <laughs> i'm interested um, i'm interested in samantha power because she's the type of person that liberals love because love she's, she's a very sinister watch- figure she wants to do all the ghoulish shit, but her self presentation is very um, professorly and like. Well, she, and not just that, but do goody, you know? Like she does it yeah. in the name of like liberal do goodiness. Like that's, I mean, right. that's really like how sinister. Of course, we were supposed to save the people in Bosnia. Yeah. Duh. Libya, I mean, Libya was like woke imperialism. I mean, that's what it was. I mean, it was Susan Rice, it was Samantha Power, it was Hillary Clinton really pushing um, <laughs> intervention in Libya, which has been an utter and unmitigated disaster. Um, yeah. and there's like a literal slave market in Libya these days, like fucking slaves being bought and sold because the country has absolutely collapsed and it's basically a Mad Max kind of tribal war zone um, with like little petty warlords just vying for power constantly and literally trafficking trafficking African slaves. Like that is what Libya did. That's what the Obama intervention into Libya wrought. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think we're going to see a lot of that. I mean, I think that it's just... It's just it's going to be curious to see how how much they can get away with now that there is a stronger left in America. And I I don't want to, like, overstate the power of the left in America, but there is a stronger left in America than there was in the first Obama term. Um, There is more independent left media with more popular appeal. There are some national figures who are actual, you know, have actual popularity, you know, AOC, Bernie Sanders. Um, things like that. Like, you know, back in, in Obama's first term, like there was like Dennis Kucinich, like everyone thought he was a joke. You know, there's no it's no, it's no longer like that. Um, right. <laughs> and, you know, and yeah. 
And so, and I think that people are just much more, more, more savvy to the game. I think you're right that Obama did create a sense of cynicism that, you know, you can't, you can't sneak that one past us again. You know, we're not going to fall for that. I mean, also true that Kamala Harris and Cory Booker have records, whereas Obama didn't have a record. I mean, that was like, that one, yep. it, Obama really didn't have a record, you know? Um, so, but, but Barry was definitely the centrist banana in the tailpipe. Oh yeah. 100%. And a buddy, of, <laughs> a buddy of mine who, who's a Harvard guy, um, <laughs> I had tweeted something about Barry being that. And he was like, listen, man, um, I, I remember in 07 when he was sort of getting his money together yeah. to, to get the run. Um, and my buddy had spoken to some Harvard people and he was like, Everybody I spoke to was like, I like the cut of that guy's jib. Yeah. <laughs> I love, yeah. I like, I like that guy. And that's, and that's for a reason. Like he has the elite agenda down pat. He knows, yeah. what, he has his eye on the ball. He going to oh, say yeah. all that other shit yeah. in public, but he People has his eye on the ball. Barack Obama won landslide victories in 2008, especially, but also 2012. 2012 was like not that close. Oh, he um, killed Romney. At the end of the day. I mean, like, Joe Biden's going to win with 306 electoral votes. Obama won with like 330 electoral votes in 2012. Um, and he did it mostly because he did really well amongst the dreaded white working class, you know, <laughs> which is just like... People don't remember that, but just go ahead and look at the numbers. Look at Barack Obama's support amongst white working class voters. He did better than a Democrat had in like a generation. And then in the wake of his presidency, it just collapsed, the white working class support for Dems. He was really effective at bridging that divide, at speaking to the elites and kind of winking and being like, don't worry. I got this. And then talking to like poor disaffected people and being like, yeah. I'm going to change your shit. I'll be, I'll be fighting for you. And it, you know, that's why he won. It's, it's, it's really remarkable. I mean, it's, it's, and I don't think anyone's going to be able to pull that off again um, to bridge that divide. So. Yeah. I mean, he talked such a good game, man. It was the banana in the tailpipe, man. I, yeah. I hate to keep saying it. it it's, <laughs> it's, it's what happened. And and I know we, we become more cynical by the freaking week on this show about Barry. I know I do anyway. Yeah. Um, but man, like seeing that Joe Biden, again, a, a person who's only elevated himself to this position because of Barry, there's no two ways about it. And seeing that Joe Biden might, you know, add Larry Summers to his freaking cabinet. It's it's like, God damn, man. Not like these group of people, they just don't ever fucking learn or they just don't care. No, they don't um, want to learn. He, it's like Upton Sinclair had a quote where it was like, you know, Upton Sinclair who wrote The Jungle, he was like, it is impossible to make someone understand something that they're paid to not understand. <laughs> and with that, we'll end our show. <laughs> Of course, make sure you subscribe to the Count the Dings Patreon, man. It's patreon.com backslash Count the Dings. Make sure you're listening to Nando's wonderful and hilarious entourage pod. Let's pod it out. Um, of Jacobin course, make sure Weekends, you, baby. Jacobin Weekends with Nando and Anna Kasparian, friend of the show, and yeah. our sister. Um, that show I just love, man. Um, you killed that, that segment about the Dems' fundamental misunderstanding of the quote-unquote Latin vote. Oh, yeah. Love that segment. Um, but yeah, man, make sure you're 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 up uh, up to date on everything. All the Count of Dings offerings between Cinephobe, the Friday Mailbag, uh, the Dad Pod, all the shit that we got as 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 well as everything on the Bomb Feed. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. We out of here. Later.